Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. After their first visit... Call the army! They're here! Who? Who? Them? You thought they were destroyed. But they return. And they're getting bigger! After the second encounter... The fuzzy devils were dead. But you were wrong. You're not as smart as you think you are. The critters are back. <laughs> They've just rolled into the big city. Oh, safe at home. In search of new neighbors. They're aliens. Aliens in the base. You have to believe them. They're big, they're huge. And they're never late for dinner. We don't have a gun up here or anything like that. How about a meat cleaver? What is eating him? Critters 3. You are what they eat. Open way. The farther removed from Critters 2 the main course I get, the more I applaud Mick Garris' handling of his Critters sequel. Just familiar enough while also leaning into laughs more ensures that the film never loses sight of what made the original an 80s classic. Different, sure, but never a detriment to the overall franchise, something that the third entry, Critters 3, fails to abide by when moving the Critters from the rural country to the big city. In part three of my Critters series review, we'll see if this being Leonardo DiCaprio's featured debut or the change in scenery is able to keep the Critters winning streak alive. Released in 1991 and directed by Christine Peterson and written by David J. Show, Critters 3's tag states, first they destroyed a farm, then they terrorized a town, now they're ready to do some real damage. They being the furball terrors known as the Krites and the real damage meaning that they're headed for the hustling and bustling big city. We meet a family of three consisting of Annie, Johnny, and their father Clifford who's driving them back to the big city after a road trip. A sudden flat tire forces them to pull over at a campsite so Clifford can change the tire while his kids stretch their legs. Here's where the kids meet Josh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, but also where they run into Critter alum Charlie who literally springs from the bushes to warn them about the critters roaming in the area. While the kids dismiss his warnings as nonsense, Annie, Johnny, and Clifford get back into the truck to continue home, but they unknowingly now are transporting critter eggs that have been laid on the bottom of their truck. This gives the Krites a free ride to the family's apartment building, which is ripe for an extraterrestrial infestation. Considering Critters 2 the main course capitalized on being a sequel and delivered a bigger film, I was anticipating seeing the types of carnage the Critters could unleash on an entire city. Though this angle is somewhat disingenuous because the third entry doesn't really unfold within the sprawling city, but is contained to a single apartment building. To be clear, I'm totally in favor of the smaller, more claustrophobic setting, as I'm a fan not only of apartment horror, but also I'm a realist, in that this is the sequel to a film that bombed. The idea that this film, and its, at the time, relatively inexperienced lead director, could truly capitalize on the full-scale chaos that the critters could unleash on a city, sounds more like a pipe dream than a reality, given the film's limited budget. So, how does Peterson capitalize on the film's smaller, isolated scale? Well, the answer is, unfortunately, not very well. 
But before going down the list of the reasons why Critters 3 is the weakest entry in the franchise so far, let's highlight its only real positive. The Kyoto brothers are back and doing what they do best, bringing the Critters to life. Once again, the Critters have continuously improved puppetry that allows them to move and interact in a way that feels organic to their furball alien nature. Honestly, it's shocking how well they hold up. They never seem like a cheap or ugly examples of puppets from a bygone era of filmmaking, like some 80s B-movies do. But the Critters themselves aren't just pretty to look at, but have the articulation to truly sell them as the killer furballs that they are. Whether it's their feasting on an unsuspecting janitor, with crimson blood glinting off their teeth, or a gang of them cornering would-be victims within the tight confines of the apartment hallways, the Critters are very much here to play in a big, bloody, memorable way. Had the Kyoto brothers not returned to wrangle the reins of the Krites, Critters 3 would have almost no redeeming value. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode, as the main issue with the film is that it's dreadfully boring. Let's begin with the story. I can understand leaving behind Grover's Bend and Brad Brown, but to do so requires a new cast and setting that is equally interesting, or at the very least, entertaining. None of that is found in Critters 3. There's a subplot where Annie and Johnny are grappling with the loss of their mother, which causes a rift between the kids and their father, but it's barely referenced, so there's little emotional investment gained from this inclusion. Had it been completely removed, nothing would be gained or lost from the film. The second subplot of the film reveals that Leonardo's character, Josh's stepfather, owns the apartment building and is essentially forcing residents out so he can profit off the building. His character is so over the top that it feels very reminiscent, again, of an 80s supervillain. It makes the film feel as if it were set a decade before it actually is. His character largely services a handful of pretty cringy jokes and character interactions that make me roll my eyes in a way that Critters hadn't until this point. This makes it so that way the film completely avoids the mantra of so bad it's good and it is just plain bad. Critters 3 also includes one of my biggest pet peeves and that's the use of egregious flashbacks to catch up viewers on the previous two films. Which, from a storytelling standpoint, I understand the idea behind it, but it's an 80s stylistic choice that feels at odds with Critters 3 being released in 1991, which furthermore makes the film feel much more dated than it actually is. Also, this particular flashback just goes on for far too long, further giving it the feeling of serving largely as padding. Because let's be honest, the Critters' narrative has never been all that complex, and considering this is a new cast and setting, there's no real need to be caught up on the history of the series. It just feels like a very awkward decision. While the new protagonist Annie, played by Amy Brooks, is perfectly serviceable, there isn't much to her character other than having a conflict with her father. While Brad Brown was, on the surface, very much the prototypical 80s kid protagonist, his propensity for getting himself into trouble and crafting explosives did at least provide some unique qualities to his character. I'd say Leonardo DiCaprio probably gives the most memorable performance, but then again, he's just a 16-year-old reacting to monsters eating people, so it's not as if the bar was set incredibly high to begin with. To be fair to the actors, this lack of compelling characters is probably mostly due to the original film having a stronger script that is not only more playful, but is able to effortlessly weave between horror and humor at a moment's notice. While Critters 3 does often have laughs on the brain, it's usually to a detriment. For example, while the Critters look better than they ever have, the humor dictates their actions which makes for some cringeworthy moments. Given this is the third entry in a series, you would think the film would steer in a new or exciting direction rather than what we ended up receiving. 
There's a lengthy scene involving the critters destroying yet another kitchen, but this time, one of them eats from a pot of beans, which results in it farting excessively. And then another one drinks soap and begins to burp excessively. Now, I'm not the most mature guy out there when it comes to humor, but this juvenile sense of humor that the original largely did not have is pretty embarrassing to watch unfold, to be honest. It results in critters not doing a whole lot that is actually interesting or new in terms of their abilities, which feels like a missed opportunity as a whole. My last gripe with the film is the almost complete omission of Charlie's character. While he appears for a few minutes in the beginning of the film, he then disappears, only to reappear for the final 15 minutes or so of the movie. Given his character's evolution from the town drunk to intergalactic bounty hunter, it's a shame they chose to make him an auxiliary character rather than the focus of the film. And while I know that he appears in the next film in the franchise, Critters 4, I just hope that he plays a larger role in the sequel's narrative. Critters 3 so far has been my least favorite entry in the series. Despite its smartly avoiding a Jason Takes Manhattan error of attempting to capture the scale of the big city on a limited budget, it fails to do much with its more contained apartment horror angle. Fill that apartment with boilerplate characters and narrative devices, and there's little reason to look up from your phone other than to occasionally see the Kyoto Brothers' fantastic puppetry at work. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the quality of Critters 3 had something to do not only with its limited budget, but also the fact that the third and fourth sequel were written and then filmed back to back. Making films from a point of convenience and cost cutting doesn't exactly fill me with a great deal of confidence, but I'm interested to see if the new space setting will help or hurt the next installment, Critters 4. So be on the lookout next week for the next entry in my series review with a look at Critters 4. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit, and I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service, and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit, and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.